Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. So welcome to the first Sunday night of the year. If your goal is to be in church every week for the year, congratulations, you are at 100% so far. So we are off to a good start. Well, as we start the year, I want to talk a little bit about prayer. And we're actually going to, as a church, spend 21 days in prayer or in prayer and fasting. And for some people, they hear that and they're like, yeah. And other people are like, um, what does that mean? And others are like, not again. And, and, and most of the time, if they're not again, it's because they haven't caught it yet. They're like, oh, it's when you're a little kid and your parents make you, like, they're watching a movie. And you're like, I want to watch the movie, but you don't understand any of it. So you're like, uh, boring. When you don't understand, things can be boring. And so as I, as I look at this, I'm like, this is exciting. This is for others, though, this is full of questions. Some people are like, yeah, I pray before I eat. Or like, my, my parents taught me to pray before I go to bed. And so we've got like these different spots, but, but a lot of us know that we should pray, but don't have the prayer life that we wish we had. And so I started looking and going, well, why do we pray? How do we pray? What do we pray? And so I want to look at a few of those tonight, but I wanted to start with why. And the first answer is probably the easiest answer. Um, this is what you would expect from the, the nursery kids. Like, why do we pray? And they're like, God said so. And you're like, well, that, 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 that's accurate. There's a lot of things that you do because dad said so. Like, you, you, I don't know if you ever had a parent do that. You're like, but why? And they're like, because I said so. And you're like, fair enough. This conversation is now over. I will obey. Um, no, but, but there's, a, there's a certain level that that should be enough. That God is God and he said so. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. In Matthew 26, 41, it says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That is a whole other message that I'm not going to dive into tonight, but he doesn't just say pray. He says watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And he's addressing your prayer's ability to align your heart with his and to protect you in a time of temptation. And it's a really powerful lesson. But in, in Matthew 6, Jesus doesn't go, well, just in case you're wondering, I think you should pray. He just says this, when you pray, there is a clear expectation that all of us will pray. And this, this, is, this is why. And I'm like, well, okay. So on the one hand, I get this. God said so, so I do it. If I understand it, I do it. If I don't understand it, he said it, so I do it. But why did he say it? Why did God give us this job, this responsibility, this expectation of prayer? And 
The answer is, is honestly simple. Because it makes a difference. And, and sometimes people can go, yeah, yeah, maybe your prayers make a difference. But I don't know. And so I wanted to share a couple of things. So James 5.16, we'll start with two verses, and then I'm going to tell you a couple stories. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah, a man with a nature like ours, he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Okay, so this is powerful. It goes, your prayers are powerful. And I'm like, okay. So I just sat there for a second. I'm like, all right, what are some of the cool prayers that I have gotten to see answered? And I don't know, growing up, you hear when the Bible says that greater works than these will you do, as Jesus speaks this. And most people, at least at that point in my life, were like, they like, they say it, but they only half believe it because they're like, yeah, I'm going to do the works that he did. I'm going to pray for people who had colds and they're going to get better. But like raising of the dead, you know, like telling storms what to do. They're like, that's kind of a whole nother level. But I was thinking about it. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe five years ago, uh, a young lady from our church um, was pregnant and she went to the doctor and the doctor did an ultrasound and said, well, I'm sorry, your baby's dead. There's no heartbeat. Um, so we're gonna need to do a DNC. And the mom was greatly upset, um, young, young mom. And after, they're like, all right, we're gonna schedule that for, for next week. Um, so if, if the baby passes in the meantime, great. If not, we'll take care of it and we'll take out the dead baby next week. And so she calls my wife and is just devastated. And she's like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to believe. And, and she's talking to, to my wife and she's like, will you, will you pray with me? And yeah. And she's like, is it okay to pray for my baby to be alive? And Amanda's like, yeah. And you're like, because, but, Sometimes they're like, it's, at, we're called to pray in agreement. So if, if their faith is, give me peace, then you pray with them, God give them peace. But she's like, I want my baby. And Amanda's like, well, bring it. So she comes over and Amanda prays with her and, and lays hands on her and prays for her. And then next week comes. And so she goes into to see the doctor and the doctor's like, all right, we're ready to do the DNC. And she goes, no, you're going to do an ultrasound. I'm like, we did an ultrasound last week. I'm like, no, you're going to do an ultrasound. And a little bit back and forth, but they do an ultrasound and they come back and they go, well, you have a healthy baby. Uh, that healthy baby's four years old now. Um, because prayer changes things. Prayer makes a difference. A uh, couple years ago, we were... So just after the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan and chaos broke loose, we begin um, partnering with the church there, rescuing people that the Taliban was hunting. And they were hunting down Christians. They were hunting down anybody who had involvement and helped the U.S. And one of our 
key people um, got located. They figured out who he was and where he was, and so they were going to go kill him. And this was on the National Day of Prayer. I got a text message. I, I, I remember it vividly. Like, I can tell you. I was sitting in the chapel as we were going through some stuff, and we were praying, and I get this text message from our contact saying, you need to pray now. Person X is being hunted. They found out where he and his family are. The Taliban has a group on their way to execute them. Um, and there's only one way out of the city, and that's where the Taliban are coming from. And so God shows up, or he sees God. That's it. And you're like, all right. And so we start praying. And I, I'm praying, and I'm praying. And a lot of times you pray, and you get done praying, and you're like, yeah. You feel good and you got like a peace. I prayed, I prayed, and I felt like, oh, poo, he's dead. I'm like, that's, that's not what you want. And I kept praying. I'm like, oh, God, help. And as I'm, I'm praying and our meeting ends where we're praying and, I, and I'm leaving and I'm praying, and I just felt like God brought a story from the Bible to my remembrance. And it, and it came up, this, the story of Elijah, where the enemy came and showed up to kill him and his servant freaks out and he just looks around and he goes, ah, no, don't worry about it. There are more with us than there are with him. And he goes, God, open up my servant's eyes. The servant opens his eyes and sees that there are angels all over the place. And then he's like, all right, well, and God blind the enemy. And then the enemy's all blind and can't see him. And that story just came up like, that's it. Blind him. Blind the Taliban so they can't see him. Make him, I don't care if you blind them, make him invisible. Whatever the case has, whoever needs to be affected, make it so that they can't see him. And I, as I got done praying, I then felt peace. I'm like, cool. And so I see our contact uh, later that, that day. And I'm like, hey, it has been like seven hours since this went on. I said, what happened? And he's like, I can't tell you. I have to show you. And uh, so can you put up, can you play this, or they're going to play a video. This is on the route to the city. They have not had any kind of a storm like this in 50 years, but as the Taliban was showing up and we prayed, this is what happened. Do you see this sandstorm, this wall that showed up? This wall of sand came over. They couldn't see anything. And the guy who's rescuing people was able to take his family and leave right past them because they couldn't see. Because prayer changes things. In the, uh, around that same time, we, were, we had a group that was running through the mountains trying to hide as they were escaping and some Taliban members had figured out where they were and were chasing them and we got, got word on a Wednesday night. And Pastor Bernie, is, he's like, we're gonna pray in service. And he goes to pray. Normally, Pastor Bernie is a nice human. <laughs> um, and normally his prayers are relatively nice as well. But I remember all of us being somewhat surprised as he prayed. And he's like praying for protection. And then he shifted from like this normal, like, God, protect him and save him to like, 
turn the Taliban away. And if they won't turn away, smite them. And like, just like, <laughs> you're like, it was like really lay the smack down, but I, I couldn't disagree. But like, you're like, all right. And he, he prays. And then we get a report and we see on the news. On the news, we see that all of a sudden there was an earthquake over there. From them, we hear rocks fell from the mountain and smashed the people that were after them. None of the Christians that were escaping were injured, but all of those who were after them were smashed. I don't know what circumstances each person here is facing, but I know that God answers prayer and that prayer is not an empty obligation. God told us to to pray because it does something. And sometimes we can get lost because we're like, well, isn't this just a formality? Isn't this just a checkbox to my Christianity? Isn't this like, aren't I just informing God of this? Doesn't God already know? Yes, God already knows. But no, it's not a formality. No, it's not a checkbox. In Matthew 6, verse 7, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So why do I have to ask? See, some people will go, well, because you've got to convince God. And you've got to, like, use his word to, like, twist his arm behind his back to get him to listen. No. Uh, In Matthew chapter six, verse nine, it says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Whose will? His. So are you convincing him and twisting his arm to make him want it? So if he, already, if, it's our, if he already wants it and he already knows it, why do I have to pray? And this is why so many people don't pray is because they think that their prayer is only about informing God or trying to convince God. But when we begin to understand that prayer is part of an arrangement that got set up in Genesis. In Genesis, when God made the earth, he said, um, let us make man in our image and let him have dominion over the earth. God set up how this is supposed to work. He set up this, this partnership, and he set up the rules for how the world would go until he returned. And in that system, prayer allows us to partner with God to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth. See, as we... For so many people, prayer, they treat prayer more like Santa than like God, than the way it's meant to. They're like, you know what? I'm going to put like a wish list together and I'm going to mail it, but instead of to the North Pole, I'm going to mail it to heaven. And so I'm going to just throw out stuff and maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, but at least it's worth a shot. And they just kind of throw this out there. And then they'll even try to find ways to earn answered prayers. I don't know if you've ever done that. I have. 
So I, I would like to sit here and like point out how stupid it is, but um, I would be standing in front of the mirror while doing it. Because there's been times where not necessarily on purpose, but where I've tried to earn the answers to my prayers. And, and, in, and even as we, as we say, hey, we're going to kick off this year with prayer and fasting, sometimes people are like, well, if I fast, then God's going to answer my prayer. In fact, this has been going on since before Jesus came. In Isaiah, he, he addresses them because these people were trying to fast not to honor God, but to try to manipulate God. In Isaiah 58 too, he says, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness. He goes, you're checking boxes, you're showing up places, but you don't care. And he goes, as if they didn't forsake my judgment. Um, and, and he goes on, he, he lists their, their response and he goes, they're sitting here saying, why have we fasted and you didn't see it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you didn't acknowledge it? Behold, um, and he goes on, they wanted their fasting to get God to bless their disobedience. And they thought, if I can pray enough, I can ignore God and get God to do my will instead of going, my prayer is gonna help me line up to see God's will done. See, when we fast, this isn't twisting and controlling God. This is turning down the world and saying, God, let me hear you. God, let you work through me. God, I wanna see your kingdom come and your will be done. God, I wanna see you move in my family. God, I wanna see you move in my life. And that doesn't mean that there aren't things that I value that I pray for. Because there are lots of things where God said, hey, cast your cares on me. He said, Don't, do not be anxious, but with thanksgiving, make your request known to him. And, and that's part of it. But they were ignoring God and trying to give God a list of what they wanted without listening to what God said. God, uh, Pastor Dwayne mentioned it this morning. He said that when Elijah was directed to the brook where he's, where where God said, hey, I have commanded birds to take care of you. They will bring you food there. That word there is so important. What would have happened if he would have said, mm, I don't think I like that brook. Do you know the view is so much better on the other river? God said he'd take care of me. I'm just gonna go to the other river because I like it better. Do you know what happened? He had died. Would he have died because God didn't like him? Would he have died because God didn't have provision for him? No. He would have died because he refused to go to where God said to go to receive the provision that God said to get. He was giving. So I, be I begin to look, going, all right, so, so, so prayer isn't me manipulating God. This is me turning down the world. The, this fasting is me turning down the world, going, God, I want to tune into your, to your voice. God, I want to listen. God, I want to see your will done. Let me seek you. Let me pray and watch what happens. And, and, and people often struggle because, I don't know what that was, because of the difference between power and authority. I have a game here. I don't know who my game people are, but Settlers of Catan is an awesome game. Um, for those who don't know how to play, 
I am not going to explain the whole thing. For my illustration, you don't need to understand the whole thing. That's okay. But there's a couple parts that you just need to understand for this illustration. You set up a board. When you set up the board, um, there's all these different spots that represent different things that you need to win the game, to, to get stuff so that you can move forward and you can win. And you put little numbers on them, but there's this guy. This is the thief. He is not your friend in this game because he doesn't just rob somebody. He robs them and he shuts down that spot so they can't get any more stuff that they need to win. Now, in the game, this guy is moved one of two ways. If you roll a seven, he moves. Or if you get a special card that has an army, in which case you can move the thief and you can put them on anybody you want. You get to rob them of a card and shut down their spot. Now, when playing the game, do I want this guy on me? No. My will is not to have this guy on me, okay? Do I have the power to move him? Yes, he is less than an ounce, right? My ability to move him is like, this is super easy. A baby can pick this up as long as they got the, the like, ability to pinch. Like, then they get the fat figured out, they got it going on. Just don't eat it. Um, but as long as we're playing the game, I can't move him without a seven or a soldier card. However, when my, I'm playing with my kids, they roll sevens too. They get soldier cards. Now, if, if my kid looks at me and goes, and he flips over his soldier card and says, hey, I want to move the thief, or he rolls a seven, he goes, I want to move the thief, but my hands are covered in chips. Dad, can you go put the thief on my brother? Like, yes, not me. Um, like, which one? He's like, this one. I'm like, all right. Now I can move it. Why? Because he partnered with me. And he partnered under the authority that the game has. See, now, if I go and just go, that's it, I don't like it, what have I just done? Ended the game. And here's the problem. If God ends the game, the score is final. If I tell the kids, hey, we're supposed to play till 10, but bedtime already happened, so whoever's winning won, then the game is over. And the Bible says that God isn't slow to keep his promises, but that he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. He's saying, I haven't just done all this stuff because if I just come in and do whatever I feel like doing, then the game is over and everyone who's not right with God is going to hell. He goes, the day will come when the game ends. But in the meantime, I want to move. Will you partner with me? See, because my children will sometimes get their thing and they're like, you know what? I'm after dad. And they will use their power. They will use their authority to oppose me. Do they have as much power as me? No. 
But in the game, I have given them, or the game, the authority to oppose me in that setting. Now, they can also use their power to help me. And sometimes my kids want to all team up to try to stop dad. Other times, they're like, dad, where do you think I should put it? Who should I put it on? And they want to know, what is dad's will and how do I help it come to pass? We partner with him with pray and say, hey, God, what's your will? How do I help that come to pass? And when we do, we can watch God do amazing things. See, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And for a long time, I, that baffled me because I'm like, well, of course he wants to hear us if we're praying his will, but what, why does he need to hear us if we're praying his will? Until you begin to understand this partnership, this authority, this system that was set up, that God's wanting to. So I want to know what is God's will. Because if I know what God's will is, then I can begin to pray effectively. Then I can begin to pray and partner with God. Then I can say, God, where do you want it? God, what is it that you want to do in this world? In this place, before you return, before you call everyone to stand before you and to give an account, God, what is it that you want to do? And I say, God, partner with me. God, I want to see this thief moved. You want to see this thief moved, but I have to lay the seven. I have to roll the seven. I have to lay the card. So God, by your stripes, he's healed. God, I'm praying for healing in this body. I command Satan to break his hold off of this. God, I thank you for my family that by your stripes we're healed. I thank you that the children of the righteous are taught by the Lord, that my children will be taught of you. God, I thank you. And I can let, he can move it because I partnered with him because he gave me authority and so I'm going to stand on his word and I'm going to pray. And when we do that, it's powerful. When we do that, it changes things. And there are so many verses. I begin to look and go, okay, so what should I be praying? And I just started a list going, what are some prayers in my Bible that are powerful, powerful asks of God that are recorded or told for me to do? I wrote down 22 of them, um, Different things where it says, hey, you need to pray. It, one, it says, ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And I just looked and go, well, what am I praying for our nation? Am I sitting here going, God, there went crazy. Judge him. Or am I sitting here going, God, bring revival to our nation. God, raise up godly leaders. God, bring repentance to our nation so that they would serve you again. God, let your name be glorified. Let this... Pushing of sin be stopped. Let righteousness return to our land. God, let our eyes be opened. It, we're supposed to pray for the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to pray for wisdom. We're supposed to pray for boldness, for laborers to witness, for the lost, for the gospel to go forth, for God's will to be done, for provision, for forgiveness. We're supposed to cast our cares on him in prayer. We're supposed to pray that the word of God would go forth speedily and that it would be honored. We're supposed to pray for deliverance, for healing, we're supposed to pray to not give any temptation for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for God's promises, for the 
for, for the nations, for the peace of Jerusalem. We're supposed to pray in tongues. We're supposed to pray for understanding and knowledge, for things to go well. We're supposed to pray for each other. There is a lot of things that we can pray. And we can pray them with tremendous confidence because he told you what he wants. He said, will you pray in agreement with me? And so I am so, I'm so excited because prayer is always powerful. But we have an opportunity. I love as we start the year and we say, hey, we're gonna pray together. I wanna invite you to be a part. Whether you've done this before with us or not, I wanna invite you to go, all right, this year, I'm gonna start it with prayer. I'm gonna start being intentional. And we have, we have worked to help make it easy. Um, I can't tell you how many people I've prayed with or, or, or talked to and they're like, I just don't know where to pray. I don't know how to pray. So 7 a.m. every morning, we'll be praying and we'll be broadcasting. It'll be on YouTube, it'll be on Facebook, it'll be on our website. It'll stay up on YouTube and on the website so you can get there. If you're like, hey, 7 a.m., I am at work, on my way to work, getting my kids breakfast, whatever. You can tune into it a little bit later and watch. We'll have people praying. If you're live, you can throw in your prayer requests with it as we're going, hey, we're praying for families, so what are you praying for your family? We'll give opportunities for that. We're gonna go through promises. We've got a version Bible reading plan. Uh, I am really excited for that because, well, A, I wrote the plan, which kind of helps me easy to be excited, but... The goal was to give everybody promises from God's word. So rather than just going, hey, what do you want? Send a letter to Santa and hope you get it. We can go, no, God, what did you say you want? Oh, these are things that you said you wanted for my family. Hey, that's what I want to see with my family. You said to pray this for the lost because I, I have a family member who's lost who I need to know. I, I need them to come to know you. And there's a prayer in Acts 26, 18 for them to open up their eyes and turn from darkness to light. And, and, and there's another prayer in, that talks about Satan blinding, the, blinding their eyes. So God, we're going to pray that their eyes would be open that they would see clearly. And so this this plan is filled with promises so that if, if you're like, hey, I don't know the promise, you can have promises to pray. There's 21 topics over the next 21 days. There's an intro day kind of prepping us and setting us up that is today. Um, they got that slide just so you can, you can find it or you can snap a picture of the QR code. Um, but the version Bible reading plan, if you look up Res Life, just one word, Res, R-E-S-L-I-F-E, you will find the plan. But I want to encourage you not just to do it, but to do it with somebody or with somebody's. When you start it, you can say, do it alone or do it with friends. If it says do it with friends, you can copy the, it'll give you like a little URL and you can send it to people. Say, hey, I want to pray with you for the next month. You do not have to gather with them every day, but you can read through the little blurb with ways to pray you can go through the promises, pray, and there's a spot at the end that you can say, hey, what I'm praying for my family is that there would be forgiveness. What I'm praying for my family is that there would be restoration. And then when your friend gets on, they're gonna look and go, all right, 
I'm praying with you for forgiveness and restoration in your family. In our family, what we need is provision. What we need is direction. What we need is wisdom. Or, or the early young parents are like, we need patience. God, give us patience and sleep. And, uh, but whatever it is, because I believe that when we pray, it's powerful. But I believe that when we unite and pray, it's crazy powerful. And this is set up to help us unite in prayer. And there are so many promises. And if, if you're taking notes, let me give you a couple really quick. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you references because that's going to be a lot to write down anyways. Healing, wisdom, provision, direction, uh, against fear, discouragement, depression. There, I, there's, there's just so many. But underneath healing, if you're like, hey, I, I feel like everybody knows somebody who needs healed. If you don't presently need healing, write down healing verses because you're going to find somebody who needs healing. Or at some point in time, you will need healing. It's just a thing. Isaiah 53, 5 tells us that by his stripes, we're healed. Mark 16, verse 17 says that these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. And it ends in verse 18 that says that they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Jeremiah 30, verse 17 says, I will restore health to you and your wounds I will heal. James 5, 16, pray for one another that you may be healed. In Psalms 103, he says, bless the Lord and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. These verses go on, these promises. In James 1, 5, it talks about, about asking God for wisdom. In Psalms 32, verse 8, in Colossians 1, 9 and 10. There's so many. If there's one of these topics that you're like, hey, I really want some, come up. I've got some in my notes. In the plan, we're going to go over different topics over the next 21 days, and they're there. But there is so much power in the prayer. But if you, the most powerful promise is salvation, is that we can be forgiven and that we can have a relationship with God because he paid the price that we couldn't pay. And if you've never made Jesus your Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that promise because God wants to meet you right where you are. The Bible says that whoever calls on his name will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to call on his name. And if you say, you know what? Hey, I am not right with God. Uh, maybe you've never been right with God. Maybe you say, you know what? I have walked away from God and I want to come back to him. I have not been living for him, but I want to turn my life over. I want to start this year with him. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to live for him. I want you to pray this from your heart. I'll give you a chance to kind of claim it here in a minute, but I'm just going to ask everyone to join me in, in praying this um, a minute. So um, go ahead and just repeat this with me. Say, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I, be I believe his blood paid the price for my sins. I believe he rose again. Victorious over death, sin, and the devil. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my King and my Lord. I will no longer live for myself. I will live for him.
Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.